What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Bunyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard, actually recording this, as promised, Thursday night, so we'll have it up for you uh, night owls and uh, you early morning risers, you guys that want to get your your Mississippi State fix in early on, we got you covered today. A lot going on in the world of college football, man, It's we're so close, we can taste it, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of apropos, too, that so many people were so gleeful in their reporting about the Big Ten and the Pac-12 canceling football and then now the Big Ten and Pac-12 have both come back. Pac-12 announcing on Thursday, going to play a seven-game schedule. And so now we have all five of the Power Five conferences playing football. And if the MAC can figure it out, we'll have all 10 FBS conferences playing football. And remember, it wasn't too long ago, some people said we were crazy to think it's even possible and that the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 are just kicking a can down the road. Were they called the stubborn six? Now there's a lot of people that look really, really, really silly. But you know what? Rather than point the finger at them, I'm just going to rejoice that we're going to have football. Also, the NCAA announces on, uh, I guess maybe it was AFCA, announced uh, on Thursday, there's not going to be a bowl eligibility requirement. You don't have to have six wins to go to a bowl game, which might be the only way Ole Miss can make one. But with everybody playing again, with the exception of a few schools, it's not going to be just a you know default deal where you get a bowl game just because they need somebody. So it's going to be awfully interesting. I still think Ole Miss is staring two and eight in the face, but you know what do I know? But be that as it may, going to have a chance to go to some bowl games this year, and there is now more competition. So nobody's just going to be shoehorned into a game, you know, with a one and nine record. But uh, listen, there's nothing to prevent. You know, a, a team, there's no rule that says that a team with that record can't go. But the way that this, this is going to work is the way it always works is, like, say, for an example, the SEC has eight bowl tie-ins. Well, then the SEC figures out which eight it's going to send. It's as simple as that. So top eight. So we got to make sure we stay in the top half of this league this year. we got to find a way to get to five and five or better. Get in a bowl game, keep our streak alive. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things, too, no matter how you slice it, if we don't get to go, the streak is snapped. We can say there's an asterisk next to it or not, but either we go or we don't. So we got to find a way to go. So we're going to preview the SEC schedule today, talk about a few other things. Got a cool top ten list for you. Non-music today. Non-music. We're going TV today. Thanks to my friend Will Burford. Will is, I think this is the third top ten list that Will has offered me. And this, listen, guys, this was like three weeks ago. That's how many of these lists that I've got. i got to go back and kind of look. And listen, there, listen, one of the ones I ran earlier this week, was something that I got last week. And so a lot of times I kind of keep them and I say, okay, this interests me today. And other times I think, you know what, I ran something similar recently. But today we're going to do TV, some TV stuff, something you should all know. And most people in my generation I know are going to be really familiar with the subject matter. Speaking of good subject matter, Bulldog Burger Company is here to serve you. So many great options to choose from there at Bulldog Burger Company. you got to get the spring rolls, as I've shared with you many times. It'll make you and everyone around you better looking. Have the spring rolls as an appetizer, no matter what your entree is. Get a great restaurant-quality hamburger. You can get it with no bun. You can get it with a gluten-free bun. You can get it with a regular bun. You can have a cheat day. You can still eat it clean if you want to. You're not going to be just, you know, have somebody go out there and just give you a bad hamburger. This is a great restaurant-quality hamburger. You're going to be glad you went by. And maybe, you know what, maybe if you're a little health conscious, so you know what, Steve, I really don't want to eat a hamburger. They've got these incredible salads, man. That The portions are so big. I, to this date, I have not finished one. I, I, I'm going to tell you what, next week I'm going to go get one, and I'm going to see if I can finish it without, you know, just feeling like a gluttonous pig. Because among the salad offerings around this city, I don't know that there is one is filling and is substantial as the one you're going to get at Bulldog Burger Company. But go check it out. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Start Vegas, and then on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. I'm going to start with the early games, and then I'm going to save the state game for last. 
Okay, so we're going to start with the early games, the afternoon games. First game of the day, University of Florida and Dan Mullen at Ole Miss. I have read with great interest some people that um, have suggested that Ole Miss will win this football game. Listen, it has been a long time since I have been intoxicated in any way whatsoever, coming up on 30 years. But if I were to ever fall off the wagon, I want what some of their, what they're smoking. Florida is a team that is capable of not only winning the SEC East, but winning the SEC and going to the FBS playoff. This is a really, really good Florida team. That's one of the things that you look at this thing. You know, you got, what is it, eight seniors on offense? Eight seniors? You know, old wins in this league, especially in football. Old, old experience does because even your even your your roster fillers, even your guys that are depth guys and guys that are special teams guys, those guys get better with age. But when you're able to trot out, you know, seven or eight guys on offense that are used to kind of playing together, you got a chance to do some big things. Not to mention, I think you got the best quarterback in the SEC in Kyle Trask. This guy was so good, he ran Felipe Franks off to Arkansas. I like Kyle Trask. I like how Dan Mullen uses him. And I think it also shows the versatility of Dan Mullen. Kyle Trask is not the traditional Dan Mullen quarterback. But Kyle Trask can make all the throws. He gets you out of a bad play, makes good decisions with the football, and can really make you pay. They got a veteran team. Defensively, Florida's going to start 10 combined juniors and seniors on defense. 10. They got one sophomore at corner. That's it. It's a veteran, explosive, athletic defense. And maybe you guys have forgotten, but, uh, you know, when Dan Mullen has been able to run his scheme against Ole Miss without a uh, wounded quarterback, you know, when Ole Miss doesn't break his quarterback's leg, Dan Mullen kind of had his way the last couple years with Ole Miss. That Ole Miss defense has not gotten any better. I, I mean, last year I really thought that they were a little bit better. Thought they did a decent job, kind of. You know, they were better coached, for one. But you lose a lot off that team, especially on that front. And, you know, listen, be honest, Dan Mullen is really a Big Ten guy. He's really a guy that wants to spread you out and then run the football, like a power football running game. And so when you're an Ole Miss defense that, number one, doesn't play well in space and you don't have veterans on your defensive front, you're really kind of thin at a defensive end position, you don't want to see a power running team. And Florida's got a veteran offensive line. They have some explosive backs. I don't see this game being close. I know some people say, well, I think Ole Miss can win. I just don't see it. I think the only way Ole Miss wins the game is if Florida just really goes in a tank. I do expect Matt Corral to start the game at quarterback for Ole Miss. I know they've got that big oar on the depth chart between him and John Rice Plumley, And Plumley is far too explosive to sit on the sidelines. I think they'll have a package for him. And you know what? Later in the ballgame when they need some juice, maybe you put him in the game. But uh, he's a bit of a liability as a passer. I, I know, listen, I, I'm not trying to, uh, to shade the kid's ability. He is an explosive player in the open field. There's not many players in the SEC that's going to catch him. He can really run. But you got Rich Rodriguez moving on from Oxford, probably one of the best in the game when it comes to the quarterback run, designing the quarterback run, kind of making it a four-man game. Rich Rod is a genius at that. Well, he's not there anymore. So you got, you know, the guy that had the know-how to kind of get Plumley out there in space and on the edge is no longer there. And listen, I said from the beginning that when Lane Kiffin was hired that uh, Plumley was going to probably end up playing slot receiver because Matt Corral kind of fits more of what they want to do offensively. And Listen, I know Matt Corral decision-making-wise has been a bit of an adventure, but the kid's got a lot of arm talent. I can see why he would be impressive. What happens with Corral, though, is the game speeds him up. I'm sure he's a great practice player, but when he gets into ball games, the kid makes some really bad decisions. I mean, really bad decisions. There's some, there's some highlights last year. There are highlights for us, but highlights for Ole Miss when uh, – you know, he threw the ball sometime in the coverage, and there just was simply nothing there. And, and there were a lot of Ole Miss fans really disappointed, and they wanted to stick with Plumley. And I get it. You know, Plumley's a, you know, kind of a low-risk, high-reward guy. He's not going to turn the ball over much. Uh, and then if things break down, he can make you pay. But uh, it's just not a good fit. And Ole Miss is going to be good at receiver. They've taken a step back. And that's one of the things, if you go look around the league, I mean, think about this. 
You know, if you watch that Central Florida game the other day, Trey Nixon had a couple touchdowns, former Ole Miss signee. You know, last year, Ben Jefferson had a big year at Florida, went in the draft. You know, you, you got to give Heath Freeze and his staff a lot of credit. They knew how to identify and lure recruits, wide receiver recruits, to Oxford. That's one of the things that makes me kind of excited about Javante Payton, too, right? Former Ole Miss commitment. They, they, knew, they knew wide receivers. They out-recruited us at the position for years. But that personnel group has kind of taken a step back. And listen, I get it. Elijah Moore's explosive. He is one of the best slot receivers in the league. But uh, it's pretty thin outside of that. He said, well, Steve, they got John Mingo. And I'll be honest with you, I think John Domingo was just Jackson, part two. And that's not to throw shade at Jesse Jackson. I think basically Mingo is, uh, is basically about a half step faster than a possession receiver. I don't think he is the explosive guy many expected him to be. That's not to say that he won't be a reliable receiver. I just don't think that he is a difference maker. I think another thing you got to factor in too, Ole Miss is going to start a couple of freshman OLs. It's going to be a different deal. You know, it really is. Uh, so, yeah, listen, I like Florida to win this game, and I really don't think it'll be close. I think it'll be a game for a half, and then I think Florida will out-athlete Ole Miss in the second half. And I just don't think that Ole Miss secondary is going to be able to keep up, and I don't think they're going to be able to, to kind of line up and run the offense the way they want to. Uh, I think this is going to be a game that Florida wants to come out and make a statement. Uh, you know, and so I, I just think, even though Ole Miss is at home, I just don't think they've got the horses to run with Florida. Again, Florida – Florida is a team capable of making the playoff, and I think they'll show that on Saturday. Kentucky is at Auburn. A lot of people think this is going to be a great game. I, I don't think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a good game. I don't think it's going to be you know, one of those games people look back and say, man, it was a game of the weekend. I might be completely wrong about that. But um, here's, here's kind of how I see this thing matching up. I, I'm a Bo Nix fan. I really think that he is a guy that's really going to take off this year. You know, he was a good player last year. I think he will take the next step in his maturation this year, and Auburn needs him to. You know, Booby Whitlow left the team last year, ended up transferring. Uh, they've kind of learned to live life without it, but they're going to need somebody to kind of step up and be that guy in the running game. You know, Gus is kind of like a little bit like Dan Mullen in the respect that, you know, he wants to spread you out and then run the football. We know that all too well. They'll kind of do it by committee, I guess, until one guy kind of steps up and becomes the guy. But listen, Auburn's got a handful of running backs over there that are capable of making plays. It's just a matter of kind of finding the right combination. Auburn lost a ton in their front seven last year in the NFL draft. Great players. They got a few guys back. But because of the fact that Auburn's a little bit younger on the front and Kentucky has a veteran offensive line, I want to say that, I want to say they've got maybe four returning starters in the offensive line. I didn't check my notes. But uh, they've got some big physical guys that have played in this league and that have kind of developed a pedigree of kind of running the football. They're good run blockers at Kentucky. And that's good because they got three great, they got three really good backs. That's the crux of that offense. You know, Terry's going to throw it just enough to kind of keep you honest, and he's a good athlete. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of burst he has now coming off ACL surgery. But, uh, you know, Kentucky is a team that is kind of old school. That They do spread you out, and they play some odd fronts on defense. But – at the end of the day, Mark Stoops wants to run the football and stop the run and make you one-dimensional. Uh, listen, they're going to be a good team. I'm not buying this hype, though, that they're going to contend in the East. I just don't see it. They may upset somebody they're not supposed to, but they're going to drop a game they're not supposed to, too. I, mean, I could I could conceive we see Kentucky going 4-6. and six. I really could. That's a big game for us when we go up there, and I'm kind of glad we get to play them early on. But um, – I'm not on the Kentucky hype train again. This happens every single year. Every single year. Oh, Kentucky's going to do this. Kentucky's going to do that. And they're just middle of the road. I mean, it's just kind of who they are as a program. Not to say Stoops is a bad coach. Not to say that uh, Stoops doesn't have some good schemes. I just don't know if you can consistently recruit at a high enough level to really challenge for the East and the SEC as you're Kentucky. Uh, Georgia is at Arkansas. This is one of those interesting games, too. Because I'm, I just want to see what Georgia's going to do at quarterback. A lot of people have kind of, you know, offered their suggestions here of what will happen. Uh, they might do it, you know, maybe do a couple quarterbacks early on to kind of get settled. But I love, I mean, I love these Georgia receivers. I, I think they were probably a little bit undervalued last year. A lot of them were underclassmen. But, you know, Pickens is, is phenomenal. 
Pickens, one of the best receivers in the country right there at Georgia. And, and listen, he is an explosive guy. You give him the seven-yard hitch and you miss a tackle, it's a touchdown. It's not a big play. It's a touchdown. This is a guy that runs away from people. He can run through people. Future NFL guy, without a doubt. They got, you know, they, again, veteran defense. And you know the level that the Georgia recruits on. I saw N'Kobe Dean has kind of worked his way into a starting position there at Will Linebacker, former Horn Lake standout. This is a fast, physical defense. Now, Arkansas has some pieces on offense. I think that our Arkansas defense is going to be dreadful. And you can talk about coordinators all you want to. But you got to have players. There are a lot of guys out there that know what to do, but they're still not capable of doing it. You could take you know, 11 of us and put us in a film room and say, okay, this is how I want you to execute this. We would have the, the mental know-how, but not the physical prowess to go pull it off. That's not to say that Arkansas doesn't have some good athletes. They do. I just don't think that defense showed any semblance of an SEC defense last year. And then you've got, you know, McTelvin Agam, it's gone. I mean, you know, so, you know, a game, it's no longer with the program. Best player on that defense is gone. Cameron Curl is a guy that was, you know, kind of above average, gone. But I like Arkansas's pieces on offense. I really do. I think they're going to be able to score a little bit. If Felipe Franks is there, he gives them a much more dynamic athlete under center. If you saw those Arkansas quarterbacks last year outside of K.J. Jefferson, none of those guys were impressive. None of them. None of them. None of them. They went out and got two grad transfers, and they were both awful. They were reason they were grad transfers. And it wasn't because of the fact that they had reached the end of their eligibility and couldn't get into grad school. They weren't good enough football players. Then you got Jerry Jones' grandson running around out there. I mean, that all looks good and sounds good, but that guy's not going to win you any games. So you go out and you get a grad transfer quarterback, you get Felipe Franks. It's an upgrade. He's not good enough to get Florida to Atlanta, but he's good enough to make Arkansas respectable. Then, you know, Rakeem Boyd's one of my favorite players in the league, to be honest with you. I like Rakeem Boyd a lot. Maybe it's because of last chance you, but I think Rakeem Boyd is undervalued because he plays on a bad team. I think he has a good year for Arkansas. I think he plays his way into the draft. I also like Burks. I like Knox, at wide receiver. So you've got some pieces out there, and they got to figure it out on the offensive line. And so, but Sam Pittman, that's what he does. He's an offensive line guy. So offensively, they're going to be better. But they are awful on defense. Awful. And that's going to be their undoing. You know, when the offense is out there maybe being a little bit inconsistent and being a bit sporadic at times, defense not going to be able to bail them out. I know some people are saying Arkansas is going to go 0-10. I don't believe that. I think they're going to get better as the year goes along. I think they're going to get a couple people. I don't think it'll be Mississippi State. All right, let's jump into uh, today's top ten list. It's uh, brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. You guys know that MyBookie's been with me for a while. They are always with me. Matter of fact, they were with us in the spring, and then the world went crazy and they had to bow out. But they're back, and we're glad to have them. New customers receive a 100% deposit match when you go to MyBookie. You double your deposit. That's up to 1000 bucks. If you put in 100 bucks, you got $200 to play with. They're going to gift you 100 So they're going to match you up to $1,000. It's, it's fall, and in my bookie, that means one thing for you. Football season and winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. It means free bets, super contests, survivor, much, much more. At my bookie, the winning season is all about you and your chance to win big. You can bet the NBA playoffs, NHL finals, MLB, UFC, and then some. Craziest sports season of your life is here. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can just bet games in real time with my bookie's live betting option. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code BONEYARD and double that first deposit. New players get up to 1000 bucks in free play. That's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet on. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await you. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your own victories. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. Promo code BONEYARD. All right, top 10 list I mentioned. Will Burford shared it with us. It's my top 10 Seinfeld episodes. And listen, I still watch Seinfeld. I still DVR it. I get four or five episodes a day. And when I'm winding down, because I'm usually, I usually work all day. Because it's usually just me and the kid most of the time around here. And so I work and work and work and work. And uh, then when I get ready to wind down, I go watch a little Seinfeld. That's what I do. And so, Will, you kind of reach the wheelhouse here, but here's what happens. You know, there's a lot of episodes that I love that I don't know the name of the episode, so I had to go do a little research on this. 
That's why it took me a little while, Will. I had to kind of devote some time to go figure out these episodes. So no honorable mentions today. I'm just going to shoot these down, and I'll have to explain some of these for you. Number 10 on my list is the Hamptons. You may recall, uh, they all go to the Hamptons for the weekend, and, uh, uh, you know, you got the issue with George and Jane. They're speeding up there. And then uh, George has the shrinkage issue. And then Kramer gets caught, uh, you know, harvesting illegal crabs from crab traps. And there's all these issues. And, he, and then George put them in the eggs. And uh, Jerry's girlfriend ate them. And she was supposed to be kosher. And so that was a cool episode. I think it's also the one, too, where the uh, they had the ugly baby and the... Uh, the doctor said the baby was breathtaking. We're also called Elaine breathtaking, so she didn't know how to take that one. That's that episode. It's a pretty cool one. Uh, number nine is the note, and that's the one where uh, George had to get a note to try to get uh, to try to cheat his insurance company into getting a massage, and um, it was kind of a crazy one. You know, that's the one where uh, George goes to all that and then begins to kind of question himself. Remember. One of the things you may remember most about that episode is that's when Kramer thought he saw Joe DiMaggio at Dinky Donuts and said he was a dunker. And then remember later, there's Joe at Monk's uh, Cafe, you know, sitting there dunking the donut. And so that's one that stands out to me. And I always liked the ones with baseball in them too. And that's one of the reasons I'm glad George went to work for the Yankees. Uh, the Visa... This is the one, you know, where Jerry's trying to help Babu get a visa. Uh, like his visa had gotten uh, expired or whatever, and so he was trying to get everything handled for him. And then also, too, Kramer goes to fantasy baseball camp and he punches Mickey Mantle in the mouth. And I remember, well, that was, why are you home so early? Oh, there was an incident. And, uh, and then Kramer finally tracks Mickey Mantle down and begs him to hit him so they can be even. It's a great one. Number seven, the bubble boy. Again, that's one of the ones they were going. They were going to the cabin, I guess. I think that's right. They were going out to the cabin, and uh, if you remember, the actor that played the dad of the Bubble Boy was uh, also was Noah Vanderhoff in uh, Wayne's World. You know, Noah's Arcade. Remember that same actor. And so they had a son that had uh, you know, kind of immune disease or whatever, and so he was uh, in a in a bubble all the time. And uh, was a big Seinfeld fan. And George beats him there, and they play Trivial Pursuit. And it's the whole thing about the kids beating him, and the answer was Moore's. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, it says Moops. <laughs> Moops. And it was clearly a spelling error, a typo. But uh, that's the episode. And, of course, uh, you know, George burst a bubble, and all the townspeople come to get George. Great episode. Number six, The Implant. The Implant, this is the one when uh, Jerry is dating Terry Hatcher, who played Sidra arguably the best girl Jerry ever dated on that show. And that's I, I, I'm sure somebody has done the research. It seems like Jerry dated 100 different women on this show. It was always somebody. You had man hands. You had all these different people. Uh, even dated Tawny Katane for a while. And so it was insane. But, you know, Sidra, Terry Hatcher, that's the episode where um, they thought perhaps that she had had some uh, plastic surgery done and uh, Elaine was supposed to be the plant to go kind of figure it out. And uh, she was wrong, led to all kind of hijinks, but uh, that's a great episode, especially how it ends. Number five, and this is sometimes I've seen this one, it's it's a two-parter, but I I had to include it even though it's a two-parter, but it's the bottle deposit episodes. It's when Kramer and Newman had decided that they were going to find a way to bottle up all those um, glass bottles in New York and then take them, I guess it was to Michigan, because they were doing those mail run and they always had like an extra truck. And so they were going to take all those bottles and then try to game the system uh, to beat the deposit return. And for you kids who don't understand what I'm talking about, years ago we used to drink drinks out of bottles, glass bottles at a gas station. And if you returned the bottle, they would give you a deposit bag because they in turn would give them back to the bottling company um, to be recycled. And, and, and honestly, my dad, that's one of the reasons, my, one of my dad's first jobs, he worked at the Neha Bottling Plant in Sandersville, Mississippi. And he used to sort bottles. He said it would be so hot sometimes out there on asphalt, asphalt that, uh, you know, your feet would get basically sunburned inside your shoes because it was so hot out there. But he would never drink from a bottle after working that job. He always drank his uh, soda from a can because he said the condition people would turn those bottles in was so awful because a lot of people used to do that to raise money for themselves to eat on. They would go out and 
get bottles out of the ditches and you'd have bottles filled with mud and everything else and ants and people would bring them back to the depository and then they would go up, clean them up and recycle them. But uh, my dad just couldn't bring himself to drink out of a bottle since then. But uh, you didn't, you didn't sign up for that today, but you get a little free lesson there. So the way the episode ends, it's a two-parter. It's when uh, the, the mail truck catches on fire and everything is, uh, it's just a complete disaster. But uh, remember, and I guess that was too the one where uh, Jerry's car got stolen and uh, Kramer had to kick him out of the mail truck. And he started dropping all the, the cans. And so the whole, the whole plan was foiled. And then uh, John Kennedy's golf clubs were had been won at auction by, by Mr. Peterman. It was just an ins- There's so much to that episode. The best Seinfeld episodes is when all three of the stories kind of converge. You know, where Jerry's got something going on in George. And then either Elaine or Kramer. It's always something. It's always great when they kind of come together at the end. Number four for me, and I don't even know if we can say this anymore, but the Soup Nazi great episode uh i loved how obnoxious that he was you know no soup for you and uh banned elaine for one year for beating on the counter it's a great episode and then she ends up getting the uh behind the bureau kramer finds a way to get the bureau and then when when the not the soup nazi finds out that elaine got it he goes if i know it was for you i'd have smashed it with a hammer it's a great episode a lot of good stuff in that one as well number three the marine biologist. It's funny. I was just talking to uh, the hind dog about this episode earlier today. It's one of those deals. The marine biologist, you know, George was always never enough. He always had to find a way. You know, he was going to be an architect, and he knew Art Vandelay, and there was always something. He always had these delusions of grandeur to kind of cover up a, uh, you know, cover up, uh, you know, his his inadequacy as a man. He always tried to find a way to be something bigger and grander than he really was, and so. He told a girl he was a marine biologist, and lo and behold, his lie kind of led him to be in this wild encounter. He's out there walking on the beach, and uh, there's a beach whale. And uh, there's a, hey, I wish somebody could help. And she goes, oh, well, he's a marine biologist. And so the next thing you know, George is out there on top of this whale and uh, having to dig in the blowhole, and he pulls out a golf ball. Turns out it was Kramer's golf ball because Kramer – had found that these driving ranges couldn't hold him, so he would go to the beach and hit golf balls into the ocean. And then when uh, when George pulls the ball out, he, and Kramer says, is that a Titleist? And George says, yeah. And Kramer says, oh, it's a hole-in-one. Great episode. It doesn't get played enough. It's one of those episodes, you know, they play a rotation, but it seems like they always skip that one on uh, the way through. I could have gone number one with this one, and I just watched it yesterday, so I think maybe perhaps that might have skewed my opinion a little bit, but it's the opposite. I love the episode. That's when George kind of realizes, after doing a little soul-searching, that uh, every decision he's ever made in life has been wrong. And so what he did is the complete opposite of what he thought, and he kind of opposited his way into a job with the New York Yankees because he meets a girl in the coffee shop, and usually he would say, I never go talk to her, and uh, I'd regret it. So he walks up and just says, hey, I'm unemployed. My name is George. I live with my parents. And then she was interested. They end up dating, and then it turns out her uncle is um, her uncle is uh, an executive with the New York Yankees. And then he gets an interview, and then he, he sees George uh, Steinbrenner in the hallway, and he goes up and just blasts Steinbrenner. And Steinbrenner, without hesitation, says, hire this man. And so it was a good, good episode, too, and Jerry's the Even Steven thing, and then Elaine's going through all this trouble, and company folds. She gets kicked out of her apartment. One of the, one of the better episodes, in my opinion. But number one, and uh, if you're a Seinfeld fan, you probably know exactly where I'm going with this. It's got to be the contest. It has to be the contest. And I'm not going to speak uh, in great detail about the contest because it is a little bit uh, adult, shall we say. But uh, I think Kramer, you know, as quickly as he bailed on the contest, was so apropos for his character. I thought it was great writing. thought it was funny. And that's when uh, uh, Elaine was uh, chasing John F. Kennedy Jr. It was all kind of craziness with that episode. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, 
putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let Nerd Wallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. And it, it was great writing, too, because, again, they found a way to kind of converge all the tales together in the end where uh, John Kennedy ends up with uh, Jerry's girlfriend. So that's the top ten list for today. If you have an idea for the top ten list, and, again, they don't always have to be music. I feel like I kind of stumbled my way through that. I did my best to, could, to kind of get the, the right titles for you. But... Uh, Again, there are so many great episodes that I know, but I don't know the name of them. And so I had to do my research on this. So we'll apologize for taking a little while. But uh, that's top 10 list. Again, if you have ideas or questions, and I've had multiple people say, Steve, what about a Pink Floyd list? Just not a big Pink Floyd fan. I mean, I'm not. I would not do it justice, uh, nor the Grateful Dead, none of that stuff. It's just, and it's not that I don't respect them and I don't think they're great musicians. It just was never my cup of tea. So if you have ideas, send them to me. They don't always have to be music. They can be movies, TV, whatever you want, food. Ed some other day asked me about that, and uh, I don't quite know what to do with that just yet. So, But there we are. Next segment of the show is brought to you by the, the good folks at DraftKings, making one-day fantasy sports easy and more explosive for all of you. It was so great to be able to watch football last week. We got to see what Dak did and many other players that uh, Mississippi State has a rooting interest with. And so let's see if they can build on that. You need to be a part of that. Add to this week's excitement at DraftKings by taking a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes that are up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store right now because you don't want to miss it. Draft your own lineup. Fill the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, catch, tackle all mean more than ever because of the fact that it increases your odds. It's simple. Pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they now they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. You should, too. Download the Draft Act, DraftKings app right now and use code BONEYARD for limited time. New users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on Week 3 action. Enter code Boneyard at the DraftKings app and get a free shot and millions of dollars in prizes. That's code Boneyard only at DraftKings where you can make it rain. A minimum $5 deposits required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. 
So let's get to these afternoon games. Again, I'm going to save the Mississippi State game for last, but let's talk about the afternoon in SEC football on Saturday. All right, so this goes on to the evening, I guess. Alabama is at Missouri. You have tough Missouri. Uh, didn't get a lot of breaks when it came to the schedule. Not that we expect Missouri to be really good. We do think Alabama will kind of bounce back a little bit this year. I am not yet convinced about that Alabama defense. It's one of those things, So yes, I understand the level at which they recruit. But in order to kind of unseat you know, the rest of the league, I think they've got to be a little bit better if they want to compete for a national championship. They kind of benefit from the fact that LSU is kind of rebuilding this year. Uh, I think Auburn defensively is going to be a little bit of an adventure and so Alabama should kind of benefit from that and have a chance to win the West. I don't think A&M is going to be nearly as good as we all thought they would be, even though I do think they're going to take down somebody. There will, uh, there's a good chance they could finish second in the West. Possible. They're going to have to play better than they have been, but they, could, they certainly could. But Alabama, you still got Jalen Waddle, you still got Devontae Smith, and you got Mac Jones. It's a guy that can really throw the deep ball well. He's an intelligent, heady quarterback. I think the Alabama offense will be good. You got Najee Harris back as a senior running back. They're loaded, veteran offensive line. There's no reason to think they shouldn't score and score a lot. Defensively, if I'm not mistaken, they've got like five sophomores uh, starting on defense. I think that's correct. They're, they're really young on defense. They're very talented, but they're young. That didn't mean a whole lot at Alabama. I mean, they're so well coached over there. But uh, this is a team I really think they should win the West, and then we'll see what happens in Atlanta. I think that Alabama-Florida game would be awfully interesting. Uh, but you know how Dan Mullen kind of freezes up when he sees Nick Saban. So that'll be, that'll be something you kind of got to watch. But I don't know at this point if we can really say this Alabama defense is ready to lead them to a national championship. I'm just not ready to say that. I, I think if they had to go play Clemson today, I think Clemson, I think Clemson gets them. I really do. I know that Clemson doesn't have uh, maybe some of the same defensive players that a year ago. But uh, offensively, they're going to be a juggernaut. And so when you look in long-term at Alabama, and that just kind of shows you what we expect to grow to, here we are talking about we won the extended bowl streak and, and a successful season for Alabama is, not, is, uh, is making the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, it's, it's a disaster of a season. But uh, they'll have no trouble with Missouri. They absolutely won't. And just like, um, you know, just like you would expect. And I, I don't think that Alabama will blow them out, but I don't think this game will be anywhere close. I think it'll be – it won't be Alabama out there flexing muscle. I just think Missouri just doesn't have the horses to kind of compete. Vandy is at A&M. I think this is going to be kind of a clunker of a game. I know A&M's at home, but listen, Derek Mason's had plenty of time to kind of prepare for Kellen Mond. Uh, A&M's got six seniors on offense, and they got a ton of guys that are upperclassmen on defense. I think it's ten juniors and seniors combined. But let's be honest, A&M is going to go as far as Kellen Mond can take them. When Kellen Mond played Mississippi State last year, we made him look like a Heisman candidate. And listen, he had a good game, but a lot of that was because of our own ineptitude. You have to put Kellen Mond in a decision-making process. He is a guy that gets a little loose and fast with the football. He's very capable of making plays with his legs, but he's not a guy that's going to beat you kind of sitting back there and picking you apart. That's just not his game. He needs the dual-threat element to be a successful quarterback. And I don't think he's great. I think he's good. And I had a big argument with Brandon Walker last year. And which I, well, I was proven to be correct, that Kellen Mond, while he had a good game against Mississippi State, did not take the step that many people expected him to take. I think that he is who he is. I don't think there's another step left to take. I think he's maxed out his potential and his talent, and that'll be enough on Saturday. But listen, if this ball game ends up being you know 24 to 14, don't be surprised. I think Derek Mason has got enough on defense to kind of slow A&M down a little bit. I don't think that Vandy can score. But I think Vandy's going to be good defensively again. And I think with uh, A&M being so up and down on uh, with Kellen Mond, I think that I think it's a game that will be a lot closer than many people anticipate. Tennessee at South Carolina. I almost picked this as an upset. I almost took South Carolina. I don't know how Tennessee is going to score. That's the thing you look at. And you say, well, you get, they got Jared Garantano back. And listen, he was really good for them down the stretch. But you lose Callaway and Jennings. One of the most underappreciated wide receiver duos in the SEC last year. I love those guys. I love their ability. I think that they are – I think they, they probably sparked that run at the end of the year. Without those guys, it doesn't happen. Without them, Tennessee probably didn't make a bowl game. Well, now they're gone. 
you don't have an established running game. Uh, and so I, I just think it's going to be one of those deals that Tennessee probably needs to win running and playing good run defense. I don't think they're going to be two-dimensional on offense this year. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I feel. On the other side of things, one of the one kind of a quiet development in the league that nobody really is talking about is Mike Bobo is the offensive coordinator at South Carolina, former Georgia offensive coordinator and former head coach at Colorado State. And not only is Mike Bobo the OC, he brought Colin Hill with him, a grad transfer quarterback from Colorado State. Colin Hill's a starter now. It was Ryan Halensky. Uh, now Helensky's second, and uh, Colin Hill's going to run the show. Now South Carolina's got to figure some things out. I'm not as down on South Carolina as some other people are. I think Mike Bobo's going to get them going. South Carolina always has athletes on defense, and they always have guys on the edge. They haven't always had great quarterback play. They've had good quarterback play, but not always great quarterback play. And I think that Mike Bobo is going to change that. I know that, that uh, Muschamp is on the hot seat, so they're going to come out, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to see this as a home game and a chance for them to win a ball game. I picked Tennessee, but, man, it was difficult. I really thought long and hard about going with South Carolina, but I think in the end Tennessee recruits at such a higher level than South Carolina does that they will out-athlete that team. A lot of times when you've got two teams that are kind of desperate and kind of dealing with some of the same issues, the team with more talent generally finds a way to win, and that's what I think will happen for Tennessee. I think Tennessee will find a way late to put this game away. You know, we'll see. We'll see. So, running down your winners again, Florida over Ole Miss, big. Auburn over Kentucky, comfortable, maybe 10, 14 points. I don't think Kentucky challenges in the second half. We'll see. Georgia Big over Arkansas, though I do think Arkansas will be able to make a few plays offensively, just not enough to stay in the ballgame. And, again, Georgia's quarterback play is going to be a big part of things too. What, what does Georgia's quarterback play look like? Alabama over Mizzou. Again, it's not close, but I don't think it's one of these 56-10 uh, to 10 games. It's probably like a 38-14, something like that. I think Alabama wins and kind of a business-like approach. Vandy and A&M, again, I think A&M is going to win this ball game, but don't be surprised if Vandy is in it for three quarters. I think, in the end, A&M will have enough athletes to kind of pull away. And then, again, Tennessee will edge out South Carolina. And then everybody will be booing about, about Muschamp. But, uh, again, I think Mike Bobo is going to be a difference maker there. I really, 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 really do. Remind you, too, speaking of difference makers, our folks at Campus Book Mart, Stan and Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, everybody up there will make you feel like family because you are family. Talked to Stan and Man a couple days ago. Matter of fact, I will be there next Saturday, a week from Saturday. I will be there in the afternoon before we play Arkansas. So come by, say hello, get a book, and come get some Mississippi State merchandise. And uh, I'm encouraged you to go visit them online at campusbookmart.net. You can go ahead and peruse their fine selections and you can go ahead and make some orders. We'll encourage you to do that by giving you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks, And any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Campus Bookmarked, a Starkvilligan institution. All right, so the Mississippi State OSU game, I will be honest with you, I have tried to talk myself into believing we can win this game. Uh, I have shared my prediction with other people, and they're like, oh, really? I think LSU is going to win. I think we're going to cover, but I think LSU is going to win. One of the things that Mississippi State has got to do is we got to survive that first quarter. We and Listen, we're going to be offensive-minded for sure, but we can't get out there and start doubting ourselves a little bit. I think we're going to play with an edge, and I think we're going to play with some confidence, but we can't go down there and get punched in the mouth and get down 17 to nothing before we get going. LSU is just too good defensively. Now, here's the thing, too. We're not going to change our offensive philosophy. No matter the score, Mike Leach is going to run the offense. If we're way behind, we're going to throw it a lot. If we're way ahead, we're going to throw it a lot. You know, I think that's one of the things probably you look back last year at UCLA game. I think if uh, Leach had to do it over again, maybe, maybe run the football a little bit there in the fourth quarter. When you're up a couple touchdowns, four minutes to go, go ahead and try to put the game away. But uh, be that as it may, it's not like you know, there are some teams you say, well, you, you put them behind in the ballgame, they start chasing the game, they got to beat somebody they're not. That's not who Mississippi State is. 
we're going to throw it around a lot. And if we throw it around an awful lot at LSU, there's a chance they might catch some of them. That's what we have to kind of avoid. We've got to have we take care of the football, and we've got to put pressure on Miles Brennan. I think that's really where the game boils down to. Can Mississippi State force Miles Brennan into some mistakes? They talk about the 3-3-5, and you can look at San Diego State, and you can look at some tendencies, and you can look at some of the DNA. It's a lot different with a, a different roster, with another personnel group. You don't know numbers. You don't know how they're going to line up. It's, it's, it's a different deal. And listen, every coach has things that they love to do, and they innovate over time. But at the end of the day, when there's a play that needs to be made, they go back to their bread and butter. But it's difficult to say, okay, well, this guy was a coach here, so let's watch that film. And there are a lot of times, you know, it's not going to match up just because of the fact there's different skill sets and there's different players with different abilities at different schools. And you may say, you know what, we, we blitzed a lot off the corner here because we had a guy that was kind of skilled at doing it. Maybe you don't have that here at Mississippi State. Maybe you kind of change that fire. Maybe you bring a wool linebacker instead. So State has got to find a way to get that blitz package rolling and get in Miles Brennan's head. What I worry about is the Mississippi State secondary. I don't know if we're going to be able to cover for very long. That's one of the reasons why the pass rush has got to be so important. We have got to force him to get rid of the football early. We've got to force him into some mistakes, maybe run some zone blitz, that sort of stuff, kind of drop some guys back in coverage and bring pressure from angles he's not expecting to force him into a mistake. I think in order for State to win the ball game, a couple things have to happen. Number one, we've got to have a little help from LSU. We've got to force him into some mistakes. But number two, we got to get this game to the fourth quarter because I believe that we are going to be the more physically conditioned team. I think we're going to be in better shape based on the reports that I have had from practice. Mississippi State runs and runs and runs and runs and runs and runs some more. Kidja Costello said earlier this week, this is the most in-shape team he's ever been around. we got to use that to our advantage. We have to go out there and really work hard to make this game a four-quarter game because I believe we can get in their legs a little bit. I do. I know a lot of people talk about that great LSU pass rush, but, I, you know, I, I don't see it. And I understand you got some big-time players that have been signed and recruited, but you know, look at what you lost and look at what's opted out. It's a thin group. It, you know, there a lot of people are picking LSU on reputation alone. And that's what a lot of people do. They say, what's well, LSU? And they, and they always beat Mississippi State, so I'm just going to pick that, and I'll just justify it by throwing out some canned comments. But the reality of it is, is listen, that LSU secondary is legit. That front seven is not what it has been because of all the attrition and all the losses and early declarations and the opt-outs. It's, the front seven is not what it once was. And listen, that's not being critical of LSU. When you get to the end of a talent cycle and you win a national championship, guys are going to go and play pro football. It's just reality. I think State doesn't just win this game by attacking vertically. I think you got to really stretch it out, and you got to get Colin Hill wearing those running back, those linebackers out. You got to get him out in the flats, make them guard him, make them get out there and get in their legs, and come 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 the fourth quarter. A lot of those checkdowns are going to be wide open. I think that you can gas out the LSU defense. I really do because of the fact that – what are they down to? What, 68 scholarship players? You don't think it's going to take a toll when you got to get out there and, you know, half of your, half of your defense is tapping their helmets to come out? And that, that's, what, that's what State has to do. You've got to get this game to the fourth quarter and let it still be a ball game. I think LSU probably wins 10 points or so, 38-27, something like that. I'm mostly worried about our defense. I think we're going to score. I think we're going to probably take a really big step forward offensively because we have the better quarterback, uh, and I think we have the better offensive mind. And it's interesting, too. I've read some of the uh, some of the LSU commentary. And listen, I, everybody is partial to their guy. But let's be honest here. Ed Orgeron is not an especially skilled football coach. And you say, well, Steve, you won a national championship. Yeah, he did because I think he recognizes his own deficiencies and he is more of the motivator and the CEO and he lets his coaches coach. When Coach O was at Ole Miss, you know, he tried to do a little bit of everything. You know, he'd never even been a coordinator, but he basically tried to coach everything. A lot, it's a lot of what Joe Moorhead did too, but Joe was probably a little more graceful about it. But, uh, but Orgeron has learned his lesson 
and says, you know what, let me work on recruiting, let me work on motivating the guys, let me work on firing people up, and let me let my coaches coach. And sometimes that's the best quality of a leader is empowering your people to make decisions and kind of staying out of the way. So in that respect, yeah, I think Ed Orgeron has figured it out. But I don't think that Ed Orgeron has a prayer in the world of matching wits with Mike Leach. That's why he's going to let Bo Pelini do it. I just don't think there's anything that Orgeron brings to the table in that regard. When he has tried to overcoach, he's had the worst team in the Southeastern Conference. When he has let his guys coach, he's won an NFL championship. I've also read with great interest these people trying to downplay the loss of Joe Brady. And, again, I think back, you know, I, I don't know what you guys are smoking, but uh, it would probably sell uh, for a lot. And they're trying to give Steve Innsmaker so much credit. It's so interesting, too. It, it, there's a lot of spin with all of that. Last year, all we heard was all this praise for Joe Brady. And I'd say, well, that was all media. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. A lot of that was coming from LSU and saying that Innsmaker would call the formation and Joe would call the play. You know, I think, to be honest with you, I think a lot of that was just trying to give Innsmaker some credit. You know, Innsmaker's a veteran guy. You play, play quarterback at LSU. You know, he's, he's as LSU as they come. But that offense didn't take off until Joe Brady got there. Joe Burrow didn't take off until Joe Brady got there. And so to try to negate his influence, I, I think is a bit short-sighted and, and really – Sour grapes. Joe Brady is a phenomenal football coach, and uh, I think will we'll eventually find his way back into the college ranks. I don't know if you noticed, he interviewed for the head coaching job at Mississippi State. John Cohen just couldn't pull the trigger on it. But Brady's now with the Carolina Panthers, and uh, listen, that, that guy's on the fast track. He'll be a head coach somewhere, whether it be in pros or college. And to kind of downplay his influence last year, it's kind of homerism, man. It really is. I look at that and I think to myself, you know, there's no way you can feel good about that. And then to suggest, and I understand what Ed Orsron said, but every player on that team was recruited by and coached by and mentored by Dave Aranda. And to think that Bo Pelini is going to show up in this in a few months, have them play at a higher level, considering what they lost, I'm not buying it. I'm just not. I think a lot of people say what they need to to make themselves feel better. I think Bo Pelini is a good, great defensive coach. I also think the game might have actually passed him by a little bit. So I'm eager to see, you know, what he dials up. I think Mike Leach, it'll probably take him a couple series to kind of figure out how they want to defense things. And, again, I don't think Bo Pelini can match wits with Mike Leach. But here's the deal. The coaches aren't playing. It's not a video game, right? It's just not. Players have got to go out there and execute. And listen, LSU's a little wet behind the ears in some positions too. Mississippi State probably got a little more kinks to work out because you're installing two new schemes. Uh, LSU's running the same offense as last year. You just have a different guy calling the plays and, uh, you know, handling all the play calling and that sort of stuff. And so they, they bring in Scott Linehan uh, from the Cowboys and those Dak Prescott fans, you know how frustrating it was watching him last year, last couple of years. Put too many shackles on on Dak. He didn't it didn't allow Dak to be Dak. Uh, Dak's having a good year this year without him around. But uh, to, to not expect LSU to take a step back this year, I just don't think it's fair to them. And I, I don't think that's how the world works anyway. You don't lose everything they lost and get better as a football program. I know that's what you hope for, but I think the chances of LSU defending as the SEC West champion are pretty slim, much less the SEC champion or a national champion. I think this LSU team is still probably a 7-3 and three team. Can Mississippi State sneak up on them and surprise them? Yeah, we can. I just don't know if we have the horses to sustain that without a little bit of their help. I think we have to go out and play loose and fast, but you can't give LSU the short end of the field. I worry a little bit about our run defense just because of the fact I don't know how much we've ripped it up. And I think another part of it, too, is that uh, – you know, we are kind of figuring out where to line up, and it's going to be different. What happens when they go tempo? What happens when they kind of crank it up and uh, we got to worry about where to line up and we're looking around asking questions. Next thing you know, some guys are running free in the secondary. That's what happens with young players. We spoke at length with Jason Washington early this week about London Craft. Mike Leach has said it. Zach Arnett has said it. Jason Washington has said it. London Craft 
won the starting job because he was the best safety in camp. It's period. He won the job. Mike Leach said he played harder, said he was always around the football. Uh, Jason Washington said that he progressed tremendously as a player, said he worked his technique down, said he understands alignment, understands tendencies, said he's doing a great job. So we'll see. And he's going to be paired up with some big-time players. It's going to be, there's going to be some shock. There's going to be some shock and awe because London Craft has one career college tackle. And I'm not, I'm not talking bad about the kid. You know, his coaches who know a lot, a lot more about football than you and I do and a lot more about the young man because they've coached him every day, they say he's good enough. And maybe that's an indictment on the players behind him. Maybe they didn't do enough. Maybe Colin Duncan and Dylan Lawrence didn't do enough to push London Craft. But either way, London Craft is your starting safety. And if your coaches believe in him, I think you should as well. He is a Mississippi State Bulldog, and we, we look forward to seeing him play. And, um, yeah, listen, it's going to be a trial by fire this weekend. We all know that. All right, I want to remind you guys, too, if you hadn't done so, go to alphadogsthebook.com and uh, order the book. For those of you that have already pre-ordered Alpha Dogs, it is on a truck headed to Mississippi right now. Left out on Thursday. Uh, we'll be here Sunday or Monday, and then I'll be signing books Monday, and uh, they'll get them in the mail some on Monday and then some on Tuesday. We will have them all in the mail uh, probably no later than Tuesday close of business. They've already prepared all the mailing labels and the boxes, and we're getting all that ready. But it's not too late for you guys to order. You can go to alphadogsbook.com. You can order that book, Stark Villains, Flim Flam, get them all personalized. matter of fact, I, on Thursday night, I went over to my publisher's residence and uh, I guess signed probably about 35 to 40 Stark Villains and Flim Flam because you guys are buying those too. Some people bought all three, which is amazing, and thank you very much. But if you've already read the first two, you need to get Alpha Dogs. It's not a series. You can skip around. You know, don't, don't feel like you've got to go back and say, oh, well, I missed the book. You need to read them all anyway. But you can go read Alpha Dog. It stands on its own. Uh, some great stories in there. You guys have heard me talk about it, man. I just think about so many of those 90s egg bowls that I wrote about. You know, you can run it down for you. you got Sleepy Robinson in 91, Eric Moulds in 93, Michael Davis in 94, and then you get a little deeper into it, and you get, you know, you know, 96, you get Matt Wyatt, Kevin Sluter, Chris Rainey, talk to those guys. You know, those are the things that excite me. Desenzo Miller, about 2001, Jerry Norwood, talk to him about 05. You know, there's a lot of great memories that we have, and, and so I thought it's fun to kind of call these guys up and get their own recollections and what they remember about the rivalry and about the games and about Mississippi State. And I'll be honest with you, Sleepy Robinson nearly brought me to tears when I interviewed him. I've shared some of that with you guys on the show, too. When you think about what Mississippi State means to him, it means everything. It saved his life. It gave him a new life. You need to read that. It's going to excite you. So many people that have reached out. Now that it's, now that it's here, now that the book is on its way, people are like, oh, I've been meaning to order. You still can. I'll write whatever you want. A lot of people just want my name on them. But I'll write whatever you want. You got a funny thing to say? I had some, uh, last year I had somebody ask me uh, to write something about uh, when, what uh, Duty Noble said about how you don't have to talk to me about hell. I already, I've already been to hell. I coach at Ole Miss or something along those lines. You know that famous quote? I'll write whatever you want. A lot of people won't go to hell Ole Miss or hell state or whatever. It, they're your books. As long as it's nothing you know, really profane, I'm not going to write that. But uh, I'm excited, man. It's going to be uh, – we're already scheduling. October is pretty much full already. We're already getting events scheduled. Every time I get a text message, it seems like there's a new book signing scheduled. But uh, we're not going to have as many as we did. matter of fact, I heard from Lemuria Books today. My agent talked to them. They're going to carry the books. They already ordered some, uh, some signed copies. But uh, they're not doing book signings right now, not me or anybody else, not even John Grisham. We're trying to work on a Zoom thing for them. But uh, so if you were used to going to Lemuria and seeing me, and I love going to Lemuria. It's a, it was a bucket list thing for me, and I've done, I guess, four signings there. And uh, I love going. I don't know that I've got a better friend in the literary community than John Evans at Lemuria Books, but they're not doing in-person book signings right now. They hope to at some point. But so if that's what you're planning on, you might as well plan to come see a book signing up here or go to alphadogsthebook.com and then get signed whatever you want. But uh, it's going to be a busy few days. On f- next Friday night, Friday evening, I'll be downtown. We're going to have the big book release party downtown at Book Martin Cafe. So if you're in Starville, come by and say hello. 
And then on Saturday morning, I'll be at the Lodge, and then Saturday afternoon at Campus Bookmart. So I release all those times a little bit later in the week. And uh, but yeah, so we're gonna get we're gonna have some signings, but you know, there's not gonna be sixty thousand of you here coming to football games because not everybody can get tickets. And so uh, I know that's the fun part of it is going by and frequenting our local businesses. But let me encourage you. If you want personalized copies for your friends for Christmas or your family members, alphadogstobook.com is the way to go, and it's alphadogs, D-A-W-G-S, dot com. Well, that's going to do it for today. We'll look forward to being with you guys on Monday. I'll be leaving shortly, headed to Baton Rouge. Mike Nemeth and I going down to provide some uh, some coverage for you guys. Looking forward to being down. We're going to do a couple of different things. If you're not a member of jeanspage.com, you certainly should be. The... Mississippi State affiliate for, for 247 Sports. Love being over there. It's been a great experience, and we think you will as well. Come by, check us out. And it, listen, if you're not ready to subscribe, listen, we did 13 stories on Thursday and 12 on Wednesday. That's 25 Mississippi State stories in 48 hours. Who else is doing that? And a lot of it's free. Go by and check us out. A lot of people say, well, you know, I never go, Steve. It's, it's always, it requires a subscription, not everything. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We're happy to provide you Mississippi State information. We love the Bulldogs, and we know you do too. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.